Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Welcome to another podcast of Freedom Rings and how we enjoy bringing freedom fighters and freedom lovers to you so that you can hear their magnificent stories. And today we have a guest, Art Laffer. Art is known as being a happy warrior freedom fighter in the name of a good competitive economy. And of economics, he is a leading economist with our country. He has worked with President Reagan. He came up with what is widely and popularly known as the Laffer Curve. He helped President Trump construct the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and he was honored with the re- as a recipient for the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So, Art, I'm thrilled that you are with us. Thank you for joining us. Well, you, you missed one thing, Marsha, that uh, Art Laffer is also has a favorite senator. She is just the best thing I've known, Marsha Blackburn, from the beginning of time, and she has never wavered on doing anything she can for constituents as well as fighting for truth, beauty, and the American way every single day of your life, Marsha. I've just been your biggest fan ever of yours. Well, I appreciate that so much, and I appreciate that you're joining us on Freedom Rings to talk a little bit about your story and how you came to embrace freedom so totally and uh, how you have put that love of freedom to work to help make this country a, a better place. So let's talk a little bit about how you became so interested in uh, the economy and economics and economic theory. And who were the economists that you really looked to for guidance? Yeah, well, I'll tell you that I did my undergraduate at Yale University uh, and did it with honors there. And then I just fell in love with economics. I went at the University of Munich uh, in Munich, Germany, and I came back. I did my uh, MBA at Stanford and then my PhD, all because I love economics. I, I come from a fairly affluent background, so I didn't have to do anything. And I did that because I loved it. And the way I came to love freedom, as you say, uh, is because I studied it. And if you look at the numbers, if you look at the facts, if you look at how the world actually works, freedom is the best single uh, provider of prosperity anywhere in the world historically. You know, free markets, competitive free markets uh, with minimal regulations, sound money, free trade, low taxes have provided the best prosperity in the history of man. You can see it in the states. You can see it in countries. You can see it over history. And that's how I came to it. I did not come to it from a belief. I came to it from a factual study of the historical events and became convinced by history that freedom really works. And, you know, Art, I've always found that so interesting because People come to freedom, uh, to love freedom from different angles, whether it is something that is emotional or maybe it is a family tie 
or maybe it is through military service or they have immigrated here from a socialistic economy. But I find it so interesting now is we're hearing so much about socialism and Marxism and you've got these democratic socialists of America as they proudly call themselves, Bernie, AOC, the squad, etc. And they are talking about the attributes of socialism. I have never known of a communist, socialist, Marxist society that has opened doors of opportunity for the citizens writ large of that country. Has there ever been one? Not that I know of, Marcia, but what it does do is it provides those in power with unlimited power. And this is its huge attraction, is those people who are in the political structure who could never create a business or a job of their own can take jobs from others if they are in a socialist or Marxist type of environment. And that's what's really happening. When I look at my colleagues at the university, most of whom are left-wing, are socialists, most of them are, and they're very nice people. I've studied with them. They're friends of mine. But frankly, they want power, and that is the. this is the only system – that allows them to get power personally without having to create a great product that other people like. And because of that, I I think what they do is place their economic system in a downward spiral because they lose the opportunity for production and productivity. Would that be right? Yeah, that's true. And it's hard to enslave free people who are prosperous and who are creative and happy. It's very hard to enslave them. But when you make people poor, disadvantaged, when you make put them into poverty, you know, people are desperate when they're poor, when they're not doing well, and they'll seek anything. I mean, this is how all the major totalitarian regimes came into power. They came into power during huge periods of strife and depression. And that's when they sought hope out of the central government. And, of course, it never is hope. It's always even worse. And that's exactly what they wish because they would be the leaders of these impoverished populations, hopefully the U.S. in their mind. Well, and right now as we are uh, taping this broadcast today, we are watching the people of Cuba push against an oppressive dictatorial regime that they have been under for the last 62 years. And I, I am so with the Cuban people as they try to bring that beautiful, what was a beautiful island nation back to prosperity. Yeah, the I'm very involved with Cuba. I have been. I don't know if you remember Jorge Mas Canosa. He was one of my best friends. I was a founding board member of Mastec, which is the largest right. Cuban-American-owned uh, company. I was on the Cuban-American National Foundation. We had done all the plans for Cuba post-Castro, if we were so lucky. Now, unfortunately, Jorge Mas Canosa passed away in 1999, and it never came to fruition. But if you look at the Batista regime— the Batista regime was the problem at that time, and the people of Cuba were very unhappy because they had a corrupt government. And what did they do? They, 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 struck, they just reached out for anything, and they got something that was much, much worse. They got Fidel Castro and the communist regime, which was totally top-down, locked down. And if you look at Cuba today, it's totally impoverished. They don't have anything, and it, it's so tragic. 
It is tragic indeed, and this is one of the reasons that we are hopeful they are going to be able to bootstrap their themselves to a a to freedom and to a democratic form of government, so that the people can take you know, control. Well, we can see that, by the way, in all of the Cubans that moved to the United States. These people are the most entrepreneurial, enterprising individuals you've ever seen, pro-democracy, pro-growth. I mean, these are the finest people. As I always say, it takes a, it takes a former communist to be a real capitalist. <laughs> and, and Cubans are exactly that, Marcia. They're just the most wonderful people on earth. I mean, look at your colleague Ted Cruz and Mario, uh, Marco Rubio and some of these others. I mean, they're just amazing contributors to our society. You're very correct about that. Let's switch topics a minute. I want to talk with you about how you worked with President Reagan. Let's touch on that and how you developed the Laffer Curve and really brought forward supply-side economics so that so many Americans, for the first time, were hearing about this. Talk a little bit about that time in your life. Yeah, well, but now can we, will you forgive me a, a little bit of I'll tell a secret uh, yes. that is not all that flattering to me. Uh, the way I got so close with Reagan is my godfather, Justin Dart, was his best friend. Now, I tell everyone I got close to Reagan because he had a meeting of all the economists in the country and on a big platform. And he looked at all of us. He said, I'll take the little short fat one over there. Uh, that's not really the way it happened. Uh, I was in the social set in in, uh, in uh, Los Angeles uh, with Reagan and a lot of the other people there, and uh, I got to know him very well personally, and, and that really solidified the relationship. Uh, I never actually took a job with Reagan. I have always believed that if it's worth doing, it's worth doing it straightforwardly. Once you're an employee, uh, you are an employee, and you have to do what your boss wants. So I never took a job with Reagan. I met with him for a couple of hours every month or two, and we talked and we did stuff. And that is the way I worked with Reagan. That's the way I worked with Trump. That's the way I work with everyone. Uh, once you take a job, all of a sudden you're an employee. And, and you would – I mean, these people, Marsha, are, are willing to rebut arguments. They know to be true in order to curry favors with their political benefactors because they're on the payroll. And I would never do that. And the reason I had such good influence with Reagan is because I wasn't working for him, not because I wasn't. Uh, you know, it, it's, it was a much better relationship not being his employee. And then how was it that the Laffer Curve actually came to be and President Reagan ended up adopting that premise? Yeah, it, it, it sounds so silly today. But that idea of the Laffer curve was not uh, was, was not in vogue back then. The, the view was that if you raise tax rates by 10 percent, you would collect 10 percent more revenue. Now, we know that's not true. Everyone knows it's not true, but everyone pretended it was true back then. And I guess I was the only one to cry, yell that the emperor has no clothes, because if you if you taxed everyone at 110 percent of everything they earned, so that every time you go into the office, instead of getting a, a check, you get a bill. No one would work. There will be no revenues. Likewise, if you have no taxes, you'll have no revenues. And the Laffer Curve is a very simple, intuitive uh, relationship between tax rates and revenues that at 100 percent, you're not going to get any revenues. At 0 percent, you're not going to get any revenues. 
If you raise rates from zero going up, you'll start collecting more revenues. And if you cut rates from 100% going down, you'll get more revenues. And it shapes this sort of parabolic curve that, that is exactly the relationship. Sometimes raising tax rates does collect more revenues, but sometimes raising tax rates loses revenues, which was the case under Reagan, which was the case under Kennedy, which was the case uh, under, under uh, Trump which is going to be the case under Biden. If he raises tax rates, you can't believe how bad the economy is going to be. Well, and one of the concerns we have is that the Biden administration has said that they do want to raise tax rates, and they've also said they want to remove the 2017 the Tax Cut and Jobs Act provisions, which, of course, have given us unprecedented growth in our nation's economy and have lifted. That has been responsible for lifting millions of people out of poverty. So yes. how was it that you worked with President Trump to help shape this Well, I've known President Trump for years and years and years. Not well, uh, but I've known him through General Electric. They funded a lot of the Trump hotels, Trump casinos, et cetera, and they've also uh, underwritten me historically and maybe 10 or 11 other people. So I knew him peripherally. So when he was running for office, the General Electric people got me in close contact with Trump. And so I got to know him well uh, and worked with him on the tax bill. He's been a, a fellow traveler on, on this tax cuts. He understands business more than any president ever, even more than Reagan, to be honest with you. He does. And when the tax bill, when the uh, 2017 tax bill took effect, you, do you know that in the two years that followed the tax bill, Trump's tax bill, tax revenues, federal tax revenues went up by more than they had gone up in the two years prior to the tax bill and more than four years prior than that? I mean, this was a real revenue raiser. It didn't cost us money. We made more money coming in. This is the Laffer curve at work. We got poverty levels to the lowest in history. We got uh, uh, my, uh, unemployment rates for minorities, the lowest in history. I mean, it was a beautiful period of economic growth. And the U.S. prosperity way outdistanced Eurozone and some of these other areas. So it was an enormous success. And if, um, very honestly, if, if Biden reverses it, he'll get the reserve, reverse results. And uh, there'll never be a Democrat again on the face of the earth. <laughs> Well, I think people that I'm talking to every day, whether they're calling our office or I'm seeing them out and about across the state, I have to tell you, Art, they are very concerned that Biden is going to raise their taxes. He is increasing regulation, and their concern is that their businesses are going to suffer because of this, and thereby they're going to have less money that they're going to be able to take home every month. That is so true. Now, there is one regulation, if I can just break, break ranks for one second. There is one regulation that Trump put in, an executive order on medical transparency for both prices and quality uh, on medical care. And Biden has agreed to allow uh, Trump's executive order to stand, and he is reinforcing it. This is the one thing that I do laud him on, is he is following the Trump executive order to the T and in putting in enforcement that is great. But all the other regulations, the minimum wage, $15 an hour. I mean, how silly is that? Why don't we pay them $100 an hour, $500? How many people do you think, the poor and the minorities and disenfranchised, do you think would be employed if we had to pay them $200 an hour? None. 
they would all be unemployed. They would never get the requisite skills to have a good, high-paying job. They would be unemployable after a few years and then hostile. You know, this is the silliest stuff I've ever heard. These people don't get it. Well, I, I think there are more and more Americans every day that agree that they do not get it. Let me ask you this, Art. Um, talk for just a minute about what freedom means to you. And then as you look at our world today, the second question would be, what worries you most? What yeah. do you think is the biggest threat to freedom? Well, right now, I, freedom to me means the least amount of government intervention into the economy. And free markets provide the most prosperity possible, the greatest increases in productivity. You know, there are problems with free markets. That's true. Uh, there's monopoly. And we have monopoly legislation and transparency and prices. And there are lots of other. But free markets work really, really well. What worries me is the conglomeration of governments. You know, one of the things I think is the biggest problems is the European Economic Union having the coordinated policies for these 23 countries or however many. And, you know, when every government agree and cooperate with each other, it's always to exploit the citizenry, the masses, and the people. It's always that way. I addressed the EU meeting in Bratislava, uh, and uh, that was about three or four years ago, and I made the comment to them, that, you know, I believe in free markets. I believe the competitive model, many suppliers, many demanders, everything works out beautifully. And I especially believe in that model when it comes to governments. When governments monopolize and agree with each other, they will ruin the economy of the world. And I think that's exactly true. That's why I'm such a huge fan of the state system in the United States. Our states competing with each other have made for huge progress in America. And by the way, just so you know, Tennessee is number one. Well, you're right about that. And Art Laffer, we are huge fans of yours. And I am so grateful you have joined us today on Freedom Rings. And we're mm -hmm. going to be watching for more wise words from you. So thank you for joining us. Well, Marsha, you know, Freedom you're my Rings. hero. So. Keep going. You're the, you and Bill Haggerty are the two best senators in the United States, just so you know it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us on Freedom Rings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.